So we're going to have a chat. Um, the only problem is it's one way. <laughs> favorite, someone said, it's my favorite. F favorite me doing it or favorite when you get to do it? <laughs> yeah, it's always good when we get to be the one having the chat. Um, so, uh, if you're new here today, um, I hope you feel welcome. My name is Mike Hardy, I'm uh, one of the pastors here, and uh, incredible privilege to be part of this community in this season of our life, and man, have we been incredibly blessed to, be, to call Good Life our community, our home, our tribe, our people, that, you know, this week I was just reminded, uh, I was just chatting to someone in the break right then, who just turned up at our house and brought me vitamins and soup during the week. And then another family who turned up and cooked a whole meal for us and brought it to our home. And, uh, you know, uh, Tracer's not here today, she's off because she had a little medical procedure this week, so and she's totally fine, it's all good. Um, but, you know, we were both like, ah, you know, you're in the parent journey and you're like, man, if one of you gets sick, um, that's not fun on the other one. And, uh, and then if two of you are like, you know, navigating things and you've got kids, then uh, as they say, it takes a tribe, right? It takes a community. And for that, I'm unbelievably grateful. And I wish it for everyone. Because that is how we are designed. We are designed for community. We are not designed to be individuals living an individualistic life, disconnected from community. We're not meant to be codependent, but we are meant to be interdependent on one another. And for that to happen, we have to work together for that to happen, because it can't just happen one way. It can't just be, be, be me having a chat with you. It has to be us having a chat together, except for when you're in a context exactly like this. So I want to read to you a passage of scripture this morning, and then, I know I've got notes here, but then we're going to go freestyle. Do you know what freestyle is? Swimming? Yes, it's a form. Um, it's nothing like what I'm thinking in my head, um, but yes, it is swimming, and freestyle is a style of swimming. Has anyone seen the Netflix special of um, the... Um, the Love Supreme freestyle rap group with, uh, uh, what's his name, Manuel, you know, from Lin-Manuel from Hamilton and, yeah, see, it's not just me chatting, it's us together. And so, anyway, I stumbled across this documentary and this is the guy, the mastermind behind these extraordinary Broadway musicals. He's an absolute genius. I listen to podcasts with him because I'm like, this guy's brain is incredible. And then I found out he was part of a group of these freestyle hip-hop rappers who did the most insane thing for years. And it's worth looking up, um, but if you don't like swearing, don't watch it. Um, but it's, it's crazy clever. So what they do is they turn up to a theatre and they've been practicing for years, and they ask people in the audience, um, give us a word, give us an answer, tell us something, and then they just make up rhymes and raps on the spot, and they bounce off one another all over the stage with no set plan. And I feel stressed watching them. 
And then they talk about the stress of it. They talk about how, like, you walk out and in any given moment, you know this could totally flop. And, uh, and so the, the documentary is the story of that. Um, and so I had this, like, little vision in my head of, like, one day, there's been two things I've often fantasized about that I thought would be really cool in community. One, um, take secret breakdancing lessons because my wife's always slightly irritated, don't tell her I said this, uh, slightly irritated at weddings that I don't get up and dance with everyone. And, I, and, and part of that is just because I, I don't want to make other people awkward. Um, and, and secondly, um, so I had this idea, I'll, I'll go get lessons and I'll just rock up one time and, you know, in the dream, I just get out there and then I just like let loose and everyone's like, what? Oh my goodness, you know, and then, and it's the one time and that's it, I never do it again. So that's, that's for, and then the other one is that I get up to preach and I actually do the whole sermon as a hip hop rap sermon. So I prepare that for you today. Um, no, not quite, not quite. But anyway, um, the reason for saying freestyle is because I, I just want to share, I want to let out, so I deliberately kind of prepared to not prepare what I want to share and talk about today. But I want to read this passage of Scripture to you, first of all. It's found in the Gospel of Luke. Chapter 6, verse 27. And as I read this, I don't want you to hear a guy up the front reading a Scripture. I want you to listen for the voice of the Spirit through the text that speaks to us as a community, the words of Jesus. And I want you to, as you're listening, be saying, what stops me? What jolts me? What gets my attention? Holy Spirit of God, what are you saying to me as we hear together as a community? So this is not individualism. This is What's my part amongst this community as the Spirit speaks through the words of Jesus to us today? What are you saying? Matthew 6. Uh, Luke, apologies. Thank you. Good listening. Good listening. Luke chapter 6, verse 27. But I say to you, Jesus says, but I say to you that listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to anyone who begs from you, and if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask them for again, for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Oh, just accidentally read the same verse again. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much, as, as much, as much again. But love 
your enemies do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High God. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Verse 37, do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. And he also told them a parable. Can a blind person guide a blind person? Will not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully qualified will be like the teacher. Why do you seek the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own? Or how can you say to your neighbor, friend, let me take out the speck in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log in your own eye? Ah, you hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. No good trees bear bad fruit. Nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. Figs are not gathered from thorns, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of the heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks." There's a lot in that. So what is the Spirit saying to you? We live in a society and a culture where there is so much noise, so much content, so much information that is being thrown at us We never, ever need to say we're bored because you can pick up your device and on this little tiny device we have in the year 2023, you can access movies, TV shows, the news feeds of every single news channel on the planet, basically. You can read the comments and opinions of everyone you can look at what people are doing as they travel and as they express their political views and as they tell the stories of what's happening in their families and their lives and you can scroll and 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 then it's Christmas. You're like, whoa, how, how did it get to Christmas? How is it? The same way every year, you know, like the time just ticks over, but like, and, and we can just consume endlessly. And what I've realized in my own life and what I've realized in 
the life of faith communities that I've been connected to and a part of is that we don't have enough time, or sorry, let me rephrase that. We don't take enough time, we have enough time, but we don't take enough time to slow down, to listen to what the Spirit is saying to us and what that means for us as individuals. And, and so we've gotten used to saying habitual statements like I even say, and even when I try and catch myself and change the way I'm speaking, I, it's still so embedded in me, I still say it. Whereas like, oh, so busy, and I say it as like a badge of, I'm a hard worker because of that old Protestant work ethic idea that's been passed down that, you know, you don't want to make it sound like you haven't been not doing very much because that doesn't sound like you're being productive. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? All right, fair enough. There's a few retirees here. And I want to pause that for a moment, and I just want to park that there for a moment, and we're going to come back to that in a minute. And I want to start a new thought, and the new thought is, what kind of a church do we need to be? I don't know if you've noticed, but in Christian media and the conversations that are taking place all around the world, there's kind of like a, it's almost like we're, we're going into this like new reformation of church. The same one happens almost every 500 years. And there's a shaking that's happening. And people are in both healthy ways and also unhealthy ways, deconstructing religious and faith systems and structures and belief systems that have very often proven to be very unhelpful and dysfunctional and caused oppressive systems and structures that have served some people and destroyed others, that have not helped in people flourishing and looking like the fruit of the Spirit and the life of Christ. And this happens because there's these cycles that take place in, in religious communities where things start off pure and simple and clean and easy and just wonderful and beautiful. And then over time, you know, we, we develop systems and structures and ideas and beliefs and we build on those and we build and we build and we build. And they start off good. And then before you know it, they can take on a culture or a system or a structure that often looks very much like the systems of this world. Beautiful faith communities become empires. And the history of the world is all empires crumble and end at some point. People that start off as servant-hearted leaders who have a desire to serve people end up becoming like dictators, autocratic, powerful leaders. But years earlier, their desire was just to say, God, I just want to serve people with the beauty of the gospel and I want to see people liberated and find you. How does that happen? Well, I mean, there's probably 20. You could write a whole book on how that happens. And there's books, trust me, on it. But one thing I think it could be connected to is 
We're so busy that we don't have time to listen to what the Spirit says. The first verse I read in that passage in the Gospel of Luke, then Jesus says to listen. Every single area in my life where I follow Christ, I want to say what the Apostle Paul said to his followers. Follow me as I follow Christ. 1 Corinthians 11, I think it is, verse 1. In other words, wherever you see me follow Christ, you can follow in that example. You, if you see fruit in my life, if you see, oh, that's wonderful, that's good, then, then follow that, learn from that, see that in human reality of how that looks. And we should be able to say that and do that with one another. But here's why you shouldn't follow me in all areas of my life, because I'm a disciple of Jesus, still learning the way of Jesus every day. And any areas in my life that are not looking like the fruit of the Spirit, or there are areas that aren't fully surrendered, or areas where I think, oh man, why do I do that? Why do I think that? Why do I still treat people like that? Why do I say those silly dumb things? It'll be because it's an area where I still need to be listening to the voice of the Spirit and surrendering. Jesus told a parable, and the parable goes like this. There's a man who built his house on sand, and there was a man who built his house on the rock. As far as I'm aware, it's not a true story. Parable. And when the storms came, and in another version of the parable, when the floods came, the person who built his house on the sand, the house was washed away. But the person who built their house on the rock, their house withstood the floods and withstood the storm. And when I was a kid, we used to sing the songs about that in kids' church, about building a house on the rock, and the rock is Jesus. And then we'd sing the song about how Jesus is the rock, and he rolled my blues away. And, and so all I understood was if you... If you make your life, um, build your life on Jesus and you accept him as your saviour, then you'll withstand all the storms of life. But that's a, that's a Sunday school understanding of what Jesus is saying. And we're, we're called to mature and grow. But what Jesus actually says in the parable is, and this is key, those who listen to my words... And we're all like, yeah, that's me. I'm a good listener. I go to church. I, I listen to the Bible app or on audio, literally. You know, like, I'm a listener, I'm a listener, I'm a listener. He says, but it's not just those who listen. It's those who listen and do what I tell you that are like the man who built his house on the rock. So just pause that for, for a second. And now let's talk about the nitty-gritty messiness of church life. Um, I've been in, in, since I became a youth pastor when I was 19 years of age. So this year I turned 49. It'll be 30 years. Have I got the maths right? 30 years um, leading in some capacity in a local church environment. And there's a whole bunch of stuff, especially when I was younger, that I'm like, I'm glad I grew up and repented and changed my mindsets and thinking 
around unhealthy ways to lead and to serve and to be part of community. But for whatever reason, God was very kind and gracious to me one day. When something happened in my life, it was like a David moment where David had murdered the husband of a woman that he basically took under his power and control and used her for his own self-gratification. Gets rid of, tries to clean up the mess, gets rid of the evidence, which is the guy, the husband, and then he tries to get on like nothing happened. And the prophet Samuel, uh, sorry, the prophet, I just had a mind blank, Nathan, thank you, chatting together, um, comes to him and tells him a parable, says, what do you think we should do about this in this parable? And it turns out, he says, well, this person should be punished. Nathan, the prophet, says to him, well, the story I've just told you is you. And all of a sudden he has this like, oh, I'm exposed, I'm seen, everyone knows what's going on in my life. Well, I had one of those moments, not as extreme as that, because I hadn't murdered anyone, hadn't done anything like what David had done. I had a moment in my life where I sat in a lecture, my late 20s, and an off-the-cuff comment from a lecturer went off like a lightning bolt through my heart and my mind. And you ever have that moment where someone says something to you, and all of a sudden you can't think about anything else? Welcome, kids, by the way, who are all coming in at the moment. And you're like... Oh, I have to do something about this. Something from years ago in my life came back to my memory in the surface, and I realized that I sort of buried this thing and had carried this guilt subconsciously. And so I got back in the car with, at the time, the pastor at the church where I was, and I said, I've got to chat to you about something from my past. And his next words, words set the, the framework that had a significant impact in my life. He said, there's nothing you can say to me that will change the way I feel or God feels about you. So when you're ready, you feel free to chat. Well, I, I, I couldn't chat for five minutes just because of what was just said to me then. And then, I mean, you would think I was about to say the deepest, darkest, worst thing in humanity. I think he even thought that, the way I built it up. Because the first words after I told him about this thing in my life was, is that it? And I'm like, yeah, that's it. And um, I broke down and he said to me, you know, James... Chapter 5 says, if anyone, that we should confess our sins to one another and pray for one another that we may receive healing. And so he prayed for me, and I'm telling you, like, a gush of emotion poured out of me. I cried and cried. You know, like when kids, have you ever had that time when you cry sometimes and you can't stop crying because it's just like... <laughs> And you, you can barely even catch your breath, you're crying so much. It was one of those ones, which is pretty embarrassing when you're like 28 years of age. And he puts his hand on my shoulder. And by this point, we're back in an office. He puts his hand on my shoulder. 
And he says to me, remember this day, because one day I might be coming to you for, to do the exact same thing. This was my pastor. And when I walked out of that office that day, I said, for the rest of my life, I want to treat people like that. I want to be gracious like that. Because that's what God does to us, and that's what I want to do for others. And for somehow, that began me on this journey of starting to look at people different. The word judge, when Jesus says, do not judge, the word judge is a Greek word, krino. It means to separate. And what happens is when Jesus says, do not judge, what he's saying is, do not separate yourself from one another. Do not separate people, he says. Because if you do that, you're operating as the judge. But when people are out of line or dysfunctional or they need help or they need guidance, you go in a spirit of humility to them and you don't separate yourself from them, you help them, you join with them. And that means anyone can say almost anything to us, but the context must be out of relationship as we do this. And the context in the scripture where Paul writes and where Jesus writes is in a context of community where people are doing life together, where we're committed to one another. Why am I saying all this today? I'm saying all this today because my deep, deep prayer is that in this community here, that each of us would be the kind of person that would increasingly learn what it looks like to love our enemies and to be the kind of gracious, kind, safe, generous person that if anyone comes to us to tell us anything in our lives, we are unshockable. Someone comes up, to, people come up to me all the time and say, can I have a meeting? What I'm going to say, you know, and they prepare it for it, and I tell them, there's nothing you can say. I said that to someone once, and they did say something I was a little bit unsettled with. But increasingly, you know why? Because I just realized, underneath the surface, everyone wants help. Everyone wants to get better. Everyone wants to improve. Everyone wants to have better mental health. Everyone wants to be free of that, that bondage, that sin, that activity, that habit, that thing that we all, in a thousand different expressions, struggle with. But judgment separates us from others when we judge but grace means we walk together in unity and we say, let's journey together. And I am for you and I am with you and I will do whatever it takes to help you and guide you. And I will not shame you. I will not embarrass you. I will not gossip about you. My goal is to not separate myself, to be above you or beyond you, but to be the kind of person that looks like what the community of Christ and the gospel is meant to look like. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the gospel of reconciliation, bringing together, coming together. It's the gospel of the kingdom of heaven, heaven and earth coming together. It's not separating. It's bringing together to restore and redeem and renew. And the goal is that you and I and every person here plays our part in being that kind of a person to somebody else because there will come a day at some point where we need to say to somebody else, hey, it's my turn to chat. I'm carrying something. I'm feeling something. I'm struggling with something. 
But you know why people don't in most churches do this? One, because they don't have the relationship. Two, because they're afraid that the norm in most tribes, cultures, churches, religions, you know, network groups where everyone's trying to look powerful and strong and above everybody else and got their act together, which is total nonsense. It's nonsense, which is why, why are we always surprised when any famous preacher, pastor has a moral falling and we go, what? How's that possible? Because everyone's human and we set up these dumb systems to elevate people and make people things that they are not and then people get caught up in the empire and they lose the community and the relationship and the grace and the mercy and the kindness that every single one of us, myself included, need to express on a day-to-day basis with one another. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? So, I'm going to invite the musicians to come up. And this is what I'm, I'm asking for all of us to do this morning and to do this week. I've got a challenge for us. The challenge is this. I would like to encourage everyone here to take five minutes today maybe five minutes every day this week, just for one week. And I'd like you to do something that I have tried to practice and it has saved me from colossal mistakes in my life. Recently, just by practicing this, something came to my attention that I'm like, oh, yeah, work on this, sort this, bring this back into alignment with with the way of wisdom and, and, and God's way for your life. Because when I don't do this, I get caught up in the busyness, I get caught up in all the activity, and I don't hear the voice of the Spirit who's for me and with me and wants to bring to my attention things that will help me flourish and, and bless my relationships and my friendships and my family. And if I don't take that time just to say, Spirit of God, what are you saying to me? And I listen like the wise man who builds his house on the rock. I fail to hear what it is God's saying. And then the next step is, I need the faith and the courage to obey and to go and do courageously whatever it is, knowing that God never asks me to do something that isn't going to result in some kind of glory, blessing for someone else or in our own life. Because God is for us and he wants to heal and redeem and restore and help us. So that's my invitation to you this week. I think what happens sometimes in churches, people hear the preacher say a sermon because someone said to me recently something that's just so not true. This probably doesn't happen to you because you're a pastor. Which is why every time someone calls me pastor, if I get the chance, I say, you don't have to call me pastor, call me Mike. It's not a title, it's a function. And ultimately, we're all called to pastor and be ministers of the gospel to one another. And yes, there's leadership responsibilities and functions and roles and all that. But you know what? We're all together. I'm not above you, even though I'm standing one foot above you on a stage at the moment. We are in this together. And so 
I want you to know the deep commitment of my heart. He said, if you need help, I can guarantee you, at least me, but I know that's not true. There are so many good, safe, godly, Jesus-looking people here who you could say the most hectic thing. You could say the biggest lie. You could say the biggest, you know, lie that you've been, the thing that you've been hiding, the thing you're afraid to talk about. And they will sit with you and they will not judge you. They will journey with you. Because some things need a journey, not a quick answer. And so I'm telling you this because I want us to all practice being these people. And I want you to pray that I continue to be that person. And you hold me accountable to be that person. Because no one's above anyone else. And if we do this for one another, I'm telling you, people will slowly come to this community seeking refuge. It doesn't pull crowds super quick. There are things you can do to do that. I know some of those things. I try to resist them because it doesn't last. What lasts is deep Jesus-looking community. So let's be that to one another.